hey, 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 hey. The time is 4 p.m. You're tuned to KDNK. It's time now for Everything Under the Sun, your weekly newspaper brought to you on the radio. I'm your host, Raleigh Burley, and today's show was recorded on September 7th. Our guest is Irina Ayurzaneva, a Fulbright scholar from the Siberia region of Russia. She was brought to Colorado on a cultural exchange with Wild Rose Education. Irina hails from the deepest lake in the world, Lake Baikal, with 20% of the world's fresh water. Hello everybody, my name is Irina Irzanaeva. I am an exchange specialist by Eurasia Foundation. I am from Siberia, Russia. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for coming into KDNK and speaking with us on Everything Under the Sun. Um, so to begin, maybe you could tell us a little bit about this program that brings you here. You said um, a social exchange specialist. That's true. Uh, Eurasia Foundation is uh, one of the uh, famous programs which connects the U.S. with Europe, East European countries. And these programs is aimed to invite Russian professionals to the U.S. to learn best practi- practices of social work mm-hmm. in different fields like environment protection or social justice or indigenous human activities. And uh, this year, only four Russian fellows came to the U.S., and uh, wow. we spent one week in Washington, and two weeks we uh, we went to our host organizations. I'm in Carbondale in in the host organization, Wild Rose Education. And that's a perfect segue to introduce our other very special guest uh, in the studio today. So I'm Sarah Johnson with Wild Rose Education, and it's I'm thrilled to be a exchange partner um, to bring Arena here and w- with the support of the Eurasia Foundation, uh, with the goal of sharing our environmental education practices. Not only is she learning from me, but I'm also learning from her. And we've been learning about how, or exploring and sharing how environmental education happens on public lands because Arena. Is, can, um, does environmental education with the National Park near Lake Baikal, which mm-hmm. is in Siberia. Yeah, um, I think maybe we'll just dive in there. How is the national park system or public land similar or different in Russia as it is here in the United States? Uh, you know, Lake Baikal is a very unique lake. It's the deepest lake and the uh, it was uh, designated as UNESCO Nature Site okay. in na- 1996, and all territory of Baikal is uh, surrounded by the national parks or nature reserves, and the environmental education programs work, but they are a little bit different. For example, I like un- Junior Ranger's book in national parks of the U.S., and um, in the U.S. you, you have one of the best uh, national park services. And uh, here I learn a lot mm-hmm. on public lands, how in environmental education goes on public lands. We've 
been able to share visits to White River National Forest, um, the Bureau of Land Management education team down in Grand Junction, as well as we went camping and explored Colorado National Monument, which isn't part of the National Park Service, as well as the Grand Mesa National Forest. So it's been neat to share all these different types of management systems in our country with ARENA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and good to know that that value of, of lands that are kind of kept in the public's interest um, is something that exists in many countries around the world. Uh that's true. Uh, speaking about Lake Baikal, it uh, historically was habited by indigenous people, by different tribes, proto-Mongolic, proto-Turk tribes. Now uh, there are three main indigenous people living uh, at Lake Baikal, Buryat people, Avenk and Sayote. Um, for me, I'm an indigenous person. We are very close to Mongolian people. Uh, our traditions, language, culture is quite similar, but uh, Buryat, uh, this territory became a part of Russia for almost four centuries ago. Mm-hmm. So we are um, multilingual people. And uh, what is different, I think in our environmental educational programs, we used a lot of indig- indigenous stories in our programs. For example, when we do outdoor activities, we uh, spoke about indigenous stories about moon or rocks or mountains. For example, Lake Baikal is, uh, has a, in Lake Baikal 333 rivers flow into Baikal and only one river flows out and we have a very beautiful uh, indigenous story about this. Would you like to share that story with sure, us? Sure, sure. It's uh, said that uh, Baikal is an old man who has 331 sons and one daughter. Once uh, his daughter Angara, the river's name is Angara, she wanted to get married with another river, Yenisei. But Baikal was, wasn't, was against of this marriage. He wanted to make her forced to marry with another river, Irkut. It's another Siberian river. But she was, uh, she fell in love with Yenisei and um, uh, decided to escape and flows out from Baikal. When he got to know about her decision, he threw the big rock. But, and now we have uh, on the place where Angara flows into Yenisei, we have a big rock which wanted to stop Angara. So this is a very beautiful indigenous story and we have this story in books. Uh, Every student in school, in kindergarten, they learn. Even in national theater, we have performances. So it's a very popular indigenous story. And so did you grow up very much in those traditions? Um, does your family continue to, to practice many of the cultural practices? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, usually indigenous people are very uh, close to nature. For example, we live in a very rural area, and we have long, severe winters, five months of winter. And we have to um, to make a wood for our fire stones. So our men, brothers and fathers 
go to the forest, they cut trees. And there is a tradition, if you cut one tree, you have to plant 10 trees in springtime. So this is very careful. um, Stewardship? Hmm? Careful stewardship? Yes, stewardship to Mother Nature, because Mother Nature provides us with food, with shelter, with everything. And every time we when we go to pick mushrooms or berries or hunt, we just take from nature the number which we need, mm-hmm. not no more. Always leaving something behind. Yes. And I've heard indigenous critiques before of national park systems, that it's actually unnatural to remove people from the land and becomes really abstract to have land where people are absent. Um, could you speak to that at all? Is there any conflict among the indigenous people of Lake Bakal and the national forest system? Uh, fortunately, in my region, in Baikal region, we don't have such kind of conflicts mm-hmm. or they are not so um, um, maybe sharp conflicts. Uh, usually, national parks protect their land, native lands, uh, but indigenous people are allowed to come to these places and make rituals or ceremonies. Mm-hmm. So it, I think it's because of uh, these territories are less populated. And, um, for example, in Baikal, we have very special, unique fish, omul, Baikalski omul. In, it was very... It, uh, fished, uh, fishing was very popular many years, and it's al- almost... Endangered. Endangered. But five years ago, the government puts, um, put policies. policies against fishing. But for indigenous people, they were allowed to fishing only for family. So no, no need to use nets for mm-hmm. fishing. Hmm. So uh, um, it's very important that in this region, indigenous people can do traditional fishing, hunting, and they can use public lands for their rituals. Well, that is a really important distinction. Uh, for people who are just tuning in, our guest today is Irina, who is a Fulbright scholar staying with Wild Rose Education here um, at the time of this recording. Um, so could you talk a little bit now about your experience here in this place and how it's different or maybe similar to your your home? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I've been I spent here almost two weeks, and with Sarah, I really appreciate Sarah's t- um, devoted time mm-hmm. and energy for my trip, and um, we spent a lot of time together visiting public land. I watched a lot uh, how educational programs goes. And uh, I've noticed that we have similar ecosystem, mountains, rivers, um, animals like bears. But here you call it brown bear. No, we have black bears. Uh, Yes, we have brown bear. Okay, bigger bears. And so the difference is that we have black bears that are not so aggressive. And at Lake Baikal, they have brown bears, which are very aggressive, um, more like a grizzly bear. bear. Yeah. But we found lots of berries, and that was really fun to find Mm -hmm. um, up on at the Maroon Bells and on the Grand Mesa. 
berries that you said were familiar. Yes, and we have the same berries, and another same or oh, dif- difference is that here in public lands, rangers can work with um, students, with visitors, but in my national park, our rangers carry on guns and they um, try to protect land from poaching. poaching. Okay. And uh, they carry on guns because of bears. A lot of bears in taiga forest. We might carry around bear spray, but in the taiga biome at Lake Baikal, bear spray would be considered a joke. Yes, (laughs) that's not sufficient. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. And so uh, you were sharing with us a little bit about your language earlier before we began recording. Um, Could you speak the name of the language? Uh, The language is called Buryat. Buryatsky yazyk. Mm-hmm. Are there any words from Buryat that you would want to share with our audience uh, to teach us something? Oh, yes. Uh, you can senbana. Senbana? Senbana? Mm-hmm. It means hello. Okay, that's important. Senbana. Senbana. Mm-hmm. Amor sen. Amor sen. Welcome. Okay. Nice. You know, um, nomadic cultures mm-hmm. are steppe cultures. They, it means that they live in vast prairies. So the, it, I think it's in, influenced on language because in our language we have more vowels than consonants. consonants. Uh-huh. Yes, we don't have uh, very how to say, harsh harsh sounds. And the language is very melodic. Mm. And um, I can share the music, and the music is very uh, like um, waves. And even if you travel to Mongolia or to Siberia, you can see that dances, traditional dances, even males' part of dances are very... um, Flowy? Flowy. (laughs) And... um, no, uh, rigid. No rigid. Yeah. I think, and uh, I think uh, geography influences on language, on people, on traditions, and so. well. And you have such a gift of language. You, as an English teacher in Russia, but you also know your indigenous language, the Bariati, Bariati, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and you know Russian, and you also studied French. Right. <laughs> so you understand language more than most Americans, more more than most people from the United States, and can see those patterns. That's true, because we have different grammatical structure. We have different letters. Mm-hmm. Buryat people used to, um, in many times before uh, Soviet Union, before Russians came to uh, this part of Siberia, Mongolian people, Russian, Buryat people used languages from top to bottom. So, this kind so of vertical, co- yes. vertical language Ver- versus yes. lines, yes. horizontal. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now Cyrillic, it was not Cyrillic, it was not Latin word, uh, alphabet, but now our native language was transported to Cyrillic. So we mm-hmm. have the same Cyrillic. The same alphabet mm-hmm. as Russian now. Uh, yes, based mm-hmm. on Cyrillic. And it happened with the other other countries, like you know, Central Euro- Asian countries, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, they also uh, 
used Arabic from left to right, mm -hmm. but now they use Cyrillics. Okay, which is left to right, kind of mm -hmm. like English. Okay, great. And so, is this the culture that uses falcons to hunt? Is yours? Birds. Falcon yeah. is a big bird. Oh, trained birds to help you hunt oh, animals. Oh, it, it's yes, it's very popular in Mongolia. Okay. A lot of tourists come to uh, to these um, attractions. It's like attraction. It's a really beautiful demonstration of that closeness mm -hmm. with nature that you were describing, that people could come into that kind of relationship with a bird and help each other. So Arena has, has quite a special relationship with nature, and um, I would love for her to explain her love of water and lakes and how her love of nature, love of water and lakes is both in Siberia and now here in the, the Maroon Bells and on the Grand Mesa. Um, so I found that crater lakes are also very cold, and <laughs> I had a chance to swim in this lake. Mm -hmm. Everybody was not expecting me, <laughs> even Sarah. Sarah knows that I'm from Siberia, but she even didn't imagine that I could swim in this crater lake more than 10 minutes. So <laughs> for, her, for Sarah, was, it was a, um, a t unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you also told me how much you love swimming because it's such a connection to nature. Yes. Yes. When I swim in the lakes or rivers, when usually I dive into lake and I open the eyes because Baikal is very clean lake, you can drop the money, the coin, and you can see the money in the distance of 40 meters. Wow. That's amazing. Yes. And you can open your eyes and see fish or animals or other rocks, other fishes and the and you don't hear anything from up water, mm -hmm. from above. Yes, from above. And I like this experience of um, underwater life. Are there boats on this lake, or do they keep mechanized motor boats? Yes, off? we have more boats. Okay. We have uh, um, now. Uh, you know, it's uh, in Baikal uh, winter touristic season becomes more popular. People come from all the other places, just want to see the ice. Mm -hmm. It's very clear. The ice is very clear. Mm -hmm. You can see into the ice. Yes. It when I've seen photos of Lake Baikal frozen, it reminds me of when in January, Rudai Reservoir has a very small window of time when it has frozen in the last couple of years. Um, mm -hmm. But it's many, 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 many kilometers larger than Rudai Reservoir. Baikal is 600 kilometers? Yes. Wow. The distance from north to south is uh, 600 kilometers. It's the distance between Moscow and St. Petersburg. Wow. That's huge. <laughs> That's huge. <laughs> I think you should travel to Russia, to Siberia one day. And experience the mm -hmm. lake. Um, now, before we were recording, you were referring to um, sacred places, of which I assume this lake is a sacred place. Oh, I, yes. Uh, in old times, Buryat people used had a tradition when a child was uh, born, uh, they cut the a piece of 
belly button. Belly button, and they buried it in the place where he was born. And this place is was very sacred. It was called Tontanutak, which means native land or a place where you born. And when when this child was growing up, or if he traveled, he had to come back to this place and make some rituals uh, to thanks spirits of this place, gods of this place, to make some rituals. Nowadays, nobody cut belly button, but we um, Buryat people, we try to come back to our native land. I try to come back to my place twice a year and uh, we do rituals maybe once a year or once or two years. Mm-hmm. It depends on the family. So and it depends on the uh, what uh, will they will be advised by Lama. Lama is a Buddhist person. Okay. It's a Buddhist um, priest. Priest, yes. Mm-hmm. And they advise on what rituals to perform. Yes, they advise. Uh, we use moon calendar. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, uh, these lama, are very good ast- astrologists. Astrologists, and by numbers they can see what, what is good, what is bad for you, what you should do next few months or this year. So what places you should avoid? For example, he can tell you should avoid flying by planes because it's your numbers says. It's not so safe for you. Mm. So, and uh, also they are all good doctors, medic, medical people. They use pulse pulses on mm-hmm. your arm, and they can see what diseases do you have, and they can uh, prescribe some Tibetan me- medicine, pills or herbs. So a lot of people come to this region because it's a uh, Asian Russia, it's Buddhistic part of Russia, and Tibetan medicine is very popular. Can you add something also about the hot water and the medical, the medicine, the yes, uh, the hot springs? Yes, around Lake Baikal we have a lot of hot spots, uh, especially on the north side, and um, we use the almost all hot spots were tested by medical people and they found that some hotspots are good for eyes some hotspots good for bones for males diseases for women's diseases so and people come to this resort area and have some days to to rehabilitate or to take some a medical healing process wow. we have about Four minutes left, so I invite you if you have anything else you want to share. And then you mentioned the music, so maybe you can help us find yes some music to share as well. I will. Okay. I would like to th- say thank you for the all for the whole community, Carbon Day community. People are so welcoming and friendly, and um, every day is a unique day, and it's uh, such a gift to be here. Hopefully one day you will come to visit my place and enjoy Siberian nature, Siberian public lands. Thank you so much, Irina. And thank you, Sarah Rose, for hosting.
Thanks, Raleigh, and for the Soper Sun and Katie and Kay for making these opportunities to share so possible. I will find on my phone. Sure. Uh, the, the name of the song. I'm going to save this. Do you need the internet? No, I will. I think I don't need. Okay. Okay.